Meet the Sooner Day is set. Uh, AP Top 25 is out. Oklahoma checks in in the top five. What else is going on? Oh, yeah. Um, fall camp. Meet the Sooner Day means fall camp. We got some defensive things we want to talk about um, when it comes to Oklahoma football. Welcome, everybody, to the Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. I'm Matt Hofen along with Rich DeCray and um, – this is our, our second podcast in, in a week, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, trying to kind of get into the format for, uh, for football season. We're going to uh, do uh, some quick post-game stuff. We'll have a preview uh, for the following week. It's going to be kind of increase our workload a little bit as football season approaches. But, hey, I don't know about you, Rich. I'm okay with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and the good thing is also it's uh, the second time uh, in a week we've been in the exact same place to record a podcast together in the same location right which certainly helps because able not to just rely on voice cues but instead body cues yeah like i can point at you and say it's your turn to talk yeah yeah anywho so but but this is it it for flow a little bit yeah this is it for a month though i know because uh, i but september 1st oklahoma plays houston to start the season also marks the day that matt comes back home to oklahoma so Lots of exciting things to look forward to September 1st. Uh, AP Top 25 poll is out. Um, Clemson, number one, no problems with that. And, you know, I've always said you're number one until someone knocks you off. Alabama runner-up. Um, yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, Georgia, number three. I think you can kind of get into a little bit of a question mark here with Georgia at number three. Is there some SEC bias? I mean, it is the coaches' poll. So do you really have conference bias in the coaches' poll? Well, of course you do. If you're the SEC, Oklahoma number four, rounding out the top five, Ohio State. What issues, if any, do you have with the top five? Like I said, I, I am agreeing with you on Georgia at this point, and it's the way that you finish this season that really propels you forward. Now, I know we're going to talk about Jake Fromm being the starting quarterback there. He's experienced. He's a veteran. He's expected to lead this team. There is this sense of they're going to at least challenge Alabama in the SEC for that championship one more time. So I get that these are are one and two when it comes to the conference, but they did lose to a Texas team that is ranked outside of that top five. It would be different if Georgia and Texas were one, maybe two spots apart from each other. But looking at, again, how they finish the season, I take a little bit of issue with Georgia taking a top four position at this point in time. Well, here's, a, here's the way I look at it is that, um, I mean, again, this is the way my brain works, okay? So this is preseason, so really it means beans. It's the coaches' poll, which means it's less than beans because it's the coaches' poll. And as we said on our last podcast, it's kind of the good old buddy system. But I look, look at it, those top four teams should be playoff teams, right? In, in theory, they should at least be in contention. So it, for that, yes. no, I'm no, not in contention. Five, six, seven, they're in contention. Top four, you're saying these are playoff right, teams, right? So Clemson, no doubt in my mind, will win the ACC. Alabama, I really am pretty confident they'll win the the SEC. Oklahoma should win the Big Twelve. I don't see Georgia as a conference champion, which means to me they should be out on the outside looking in as far as conference championship and playoff goes. Mm. I feel like if anybody has an argument here, it's Ohio State. Could they be the conference champion? Is this the year they finally punch that ticket again to get in the playoff? Um, that you know, th- those are the things that, that I'm looking at. Um, I think Georgia could be a number five. I, I 
first of all, again, it's, it's preseason, so it, it doesn't mean squat. But I think if you're really going to dissect this poll, what I would do is I would slide Oklahoma up to three, put Ohio State four, and then and then put Georgia in at five. At five, it means you have a chance to be in the playoff. You have a chance to win your conference, right? And that's kind of what we're saying with Georgia, but yet we're putting them at number three. So it, 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 the thing that frustrates me, fingernails on a chalkboard type style, is that already we're going to see the conference, the, 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 the discussion begin about the SEC having two teams in the playoffs. And look where they're ranked preseason. If everything plays out, Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game. Georgia has already has a statement, has an argument to be in the playoffs. The the truth for me here is, as you've said, you can put anyone in the top twenty-five at this point in time. Mm, it, it really, it really doesn't 25. matter because things will begin to shake themselves mm-hmm. out. We're gonna have some heavy hitting non-conference games, and then we're gonna see people knocking each other off within the conference. I still take issue with Georgia, and I see what you're saying because. There really is no prerequisite. There is no format that we can look at and say, this is what qualifies you for that top four ranking ahead of the season. There, there's just no one ticket item, if you will, that we can go to and say, okay, they, they meet this one, this one, this one. Oh, they might miss this one, but they've got three of the four. Okay. I, I can agree with that. And, Per our previous conversation, we had talked conference championships should be one of those prerequisites or one of the requirements or one of the the most heavily considered items when you're looking at where these teams are ranked. And Alabama right now is the front runner of that conference. No questions asked. Needless to say, I'm with you. I'm completely with you. Ohio State, can they make that case? We'll see. Anybody can be in the top 25. That's what Rich said. We're actually going to talk about that. Three Big 12 schools in the top 25, seven left out. Who will be in there by the end of the season? We're going to jump into that right after the break. You listen to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. Okay, welcome back to the Sooner Nation podcast. um, Oklahoma checks in on the initial coaches poll at number four. Texas top 10 team. We talked about that a little bit on our last podcast. Texas comes in at number 10, Ohio, oh, not Ohio State, Iowa State uh, in at number 24. The three schools from the Big 12 that are represented in the coaches poll. I'm curious to see here in a week, in a couple weeks when the AP poll comes out, how that differs from the coaches poll. Because, again, there is a lot of uh, good old buddy system voting in the coaches poll. There is a lot of bias voting in the AP poll, but at least the AP, you know, they – they spend more time watching other teams than the coaches do. So particularly that, that top five, I'm curious to see how that checks out. So here's my question for you, Rich. Three schools from the Big 12 in the top 25. That means seven schools are left out. You, you take away the Kansas schools, five schools left in the Big 12. Who's going to be ranked top 25 by the end of the season? Who is currently not in the coaches poll? that when we hit December 6th, they're going to be in that final poll? I am prone to look at two specific programs this year. One, I'm going to go ahead and nix, which is Texas Tech, because I think they may climb into that top 25, but they'll drop out of it before it's all said and done. And a lot of that's just the instability that Mm -hmm. they've had 
in uh, or in around the program. So the program that I'm looking at that really makes a case is they've got a cemented quarterback in Corey Brewer. It's the Baylor Bears. Charlie Brewer. Sorry, Charlie Brewer. You Corey like, Brewer was a yeah, really good basketball player. You though. you like you like what Brewer brings to the table as an athlete first and foremost, but secondly, you like him as a quarterback and potentially the most athletic player on the field at any given point in time. Needless to say, when things I know they're they've progressively been moving forward, they've progressively gotten better under Matt Rule. I expect that trend to continue this year, which is why I also expect them to, should I say surprise or shock a few people within the conference and across the nation, pushing them up. Now, when it's all said and done, I'm not expecting them to be a top 10 team, but inside the 25, that's that's a very realistic possibility. I can see the 20 to 25 range. The thing is, for me with Baylor, uh, two things that stand out, offensive line and defense. Uh, I do agree that they um, – I think two quarterbacks that the Big 12 is not talking about. you got all, you got all the conversation about Sam Ellinger, all the conversation about Jalen Hurts, and rightfully so with both of those guys. They're the kind of marquee guys in the, in the conference. But the two guys we're not talking about are Brewer and Bowman, the Texas Tech and the Baylor quarterbacks. And those, those guys are pretty good quarterbacks. And, and on their own, they're, they're going to win some games. They're, they're going to they're gonna take their teams to some wins. And we look at the Texas Tech schedule, really the Baylor schedule as well. Both of those schedules are super soft non-conference-wise. And so I agree that you're going to see them probably rise in the rankings uh, through the first month of the season. But there's always that potential for a hard fall because while they are good at the quarterback position, you look at other teams, in my opinion, in the Big 12, that I think are out of the top 25 looking in, and they have a better chance. I agree with Baylor. Uh, the team I'm going to throw in there is TCU. TCU is kind of like my sleeper team this year. I I, I like Gary Patterson. I like the fact that he's a, a defensive-minded coach. And really, if you don't have the powerhouse offense that Oklahoma brings to the table, like Oklahoma State has had in the past, like Texas is trying to develop, if you don't have that powerhouse offense, then what you have to do is you have to be a physically dominant defensive team, and that kind of plays into Gary Patterson's hand. I think they're going to be a lot more stable at the quarterback position than they were last season. And to me, that means that that you can look at them being, I believe, uh, finishing like fourth in the Big 12, uh, making some noise. And so I'm going to throw TCU in there for the end of the season. Who else you got? TCU is actually a really good pick. Like I said, if I was going to piggyback and throw out a second team, it's not going to be TCU. It was Texas Tech. And okay. a lot of that is going to depend upon health. A lot of that is going to depend upon, again, like I said, they're installing a new system. It's under new direction with a head coach. I still like what they present in terms of offense, the quality of receiver that they're going to consistently bring in. I think they can be deceptive with their running backs, depending on how they use them. To my knowledge, Texas Tech is still going to be an air raid offense come this season. And that's exactly what I'm expecting them to feel. The problem for Texas Tech is I think they're going to find themselves more often than not in a shootout if it's a close contest, simply because Texas Tech isn't exactly known for their defense. But they have been known to take risks here and there in order to win a game. So like I said, if it's the second one, you like Bowman, you like the potential there, 
you just hope there's not a sophomore slump. And so they, they'd be my number two pick. You know, you know Bowman, uh, you look at depth there. Bowman, uh, with the injury issues last year, with the long, you know, obviously that that's something that's healed up. But anytime, I mean, it just, it's the nature of the game. Anytime you have somebody who has suffered injuries the way Bowman did, you you kind of, you got to prove that you don't have that injury-prone la- uh, label on you anymore. Depth becomes an issue. We never really saw the quality, in my opinion, of the running backs under Cliff Kingsbury, something I expect to change with Matt Wells. You look at his track record at Utah State. He's an offensive guy. Uh, he, he did great things with, with the Aggies uh, there at Utah State with their offense. But to me, the biggest question mark here is defense. Well, what you're saying, uh, defense inside the ball. When you look at a team like Oklahoma and you can say, well, doesn't Oklahoma have defensive issues? Well, the answer is absolutely they do. But the two things that I think stand out differently between a, a program like the University of Oklahoma and Texas Tech it's, first of all, the offense. The Oklahoma would be the best offense in the Big 12 in 2019. I mean, all due respect to, to Texas, they're a one-trick pony uh, with Sam Ellinger. If Sam Ellinger can't do it, then they're not going to win. We saw that uh, in the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma, the best offense in the Big 12, and the quality of the athlete on the defensive side of the ball is better than the quality athlete that Texas Tech has. And again, it's just if you're, if you're a Red Raider fan, that, that irritates you, but it irritates you because you know it's true. You know, you, you play it off as, oh, you're just a homer. Well, yeah, I am, but I'm also truthful in that the, look at the, the quality of recruit Oklahoma has enjoyed compared to the quality of recruits, particularly on the defensive side of the ball that Texas Tech has enjoyed, night and day difference. And so if someone's going to someone's gonna flip their defense in one year and, and show vast improvement, and you're, you're comparing what Oklahoma has and what Texas Tech has, both under new regimes defensively, you got to like Oklahoma's chances a little bit better than that, but I think Texas Tech, again, has a chance to be in that 20 to 25 range. Uh, one more school, maybe. Uh, you got anybody else? <laughs> I, I really don't. I think TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech, because now we're looking at Oklahoma State falls into that next category mm-hmm. for me, West Virginia and Kansas, really. Um, so Kansas State right. as well. I'm just saying of, of those programs – I, I'm not predicting them unless they have a, a completely unexpected and incredible season. I, I don't expect them to make a charge for the top 25 at any point during the course of the year. Okay, I think Oklahoma State will will have a chance to make a run. They start their season at Oregon State. If they can pick up a win there on a Friday night, they're going to be the only show in town, so to speak. Everyone's going to be watching them. Um, if they can pick up that win out west – they, they've got a gimme the, the next week against Nichols. Um, and so, um, that's, I mean, that's just – there's a chance for Oklahoma State to jump in there. But I think conference play is going to be a real wake-up call for the Cowboys, particularly at the – you know, we've always talked about the offensive line and how bad it's been. Um, that they, they lost depth at the running back position. They lost depth at the receiver position. We don't know who their quarterback's going to be at this point. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a chance for them to make a charge, but we'll see them fade. What we're saying here, though, is this, is that you got Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia that we don't see them having a top 25 type season. doesn't mean they won't be bowl eligible. It just means they won't be in the upper echelon of college football. Um, and then we've got Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech on the fringe, right, 20 to 25 range. That means the Big 12 is going to be down this year compared to last year. You Does agree it? or disagree? I I don't I don't I wouldn't use those terms. Well, okay, let's it. let's address it this way. Let's look at the teams who had a chance going into that final week of the season to be in Dallas mm-hmm. for the Big Twelve Championship. 
Oklahoma was there. Obviously, Texas was there. Iowa State was there. West Virginia was there. Oklahoma State was there. So half of the Big 12 had a chance to go to Dallas and play for the conference championship. I don't think we're saying that scenario is going to happen this year. No, you're, you're absolutely right. When you put that kind of a spin on it, you do have the three front runners of the conference. You look at Iowa State and what they've done over the course of uh, Matt Campbell's tenure at the university. Needless to say, I, I labeled them as giant slayers when they took Oklahoma State out of the BCS national championship picture way back in the day. And they've kind of continued that trend. I know they came to Norman, beat Oklahoma. They've gone on the road and beat some quality teams to put themselves in the position that they're at right now. And they've mainly done that with names that aren't quite as familiar, or they've done it with transfers for the most part. Needless to say, I, I do agree. That's my roundabout way of saying Oklahoma, Texas are obviously the two favorites to repeat for the Big 12 championship game, but Iowa State's going to be in the mix the whole way. It's going to be who who stumbles first and who can recover by beating that Iowa State team because they're going to give it everything they've got each and every outing. I want to ask a flip question for you here Let's in a second. Let's get to that after the break. We're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. You can find us on Twitter uh, at Sports Heartland, on Twitter at Sports Heartland. He's Rich. I'm Matt. We'll be right back. Okay, you got a question uh, that you wanted to throw at me? Yeah, just, this? just complete random thought. I was having a conversation earlier today in a van on a ride that was about 45 minutes, and the idea that spawned from that conversation was, is this the year that Kansas finally gets off the bottom? And I'm not saying if it's 10, where they've been, are they going to rise up to 9, 8, 7? They were close to 9 last year. Yeah, but it didn't happen. So is this the year? Less miles taking over. You've got a guy like Puka Williams, regardless of the suspension. Well, he's, he's only going to miss one game. Right, I'm saying he's a guy that they can essentially put their entire game plan or game plan around him to carry them into to battle, if you right. will. So is this the year, because there are some teams that aren't exactly that great, Matt, is this the year that Kansas comes from 10 and bumps themselves up, they get off the bottom. Is that it? I'm going to say that's a big fat no. Okay. And here, here's the thing. Um, you know, it, it's still – I mean, I, I think Les Miles was the right hire. I love Les Miles in the Big 12. I, I can't wait to see post-game interviews and, and all that stuff, That all the stuff that comes with Les Miles. But it's still Kansas. It's still those players. And the guys that he's brought in, I mean, anybody that's new to this program is going to be a first-year player in this program, a first-year player in the Big 12. Will they be better? Yes. But will they be better than Kansas State? Um, I mean, if someone's, if, if someone's going to beat Kansas for last, it's going to be Kansas State. You know what I'm saying? Those are the two runner-ups for, for the seller. But here's the thing. I, I haven't, And I'll be honest with you. I, it's been a busy month. July was a busy month for me. Um, and I didn't look at the recruiting rankings a whole lot for the month of July. But early July, late June, early July, do you know who had more recruits than any other team in the Big 12? It doesn't matter about the number. It's well, about quality. Well, right? listen. But no, you're, you're right. But Les Miles has had – last I checked, close to a month ago – Les Miles had 22 three-star recruits already committed to the University of Kansas. Now, you're talking about a three-star recruit. Oklahoma has their share of three-star recruits that come in. Oklahoma State basically lives on three-star recruits 
So before we knock a three-star recruit, let's look at the the let's look at what let um sorry say less miles for Oklahoma State, but let's look at what Mike Gundy's put out there the last couple of years. Let's not forget this is a team that has a two-point conversion away from upsetting Oklahoma and Norman last season off of three-star recruits. Dude has 22 of them already committed to the to the University of Kansas for this coming recruiting class. I do think you'll see a change with the Jayhawks, but not this year. Are you going to see them rise? Side note here, tangent, rise to Mark Mangino's career? Or I, don't, I don't think so. There? No, no, I, I think Mark, Mark Mangino, what, what Joe Kansas fan is, is coming around to is that Mark Mangino got the Jayhawks to the pinnacle of college football. Kansas is never going to be a national championship football team. They're never going to be that. I mean, it's just you, – you can – again, Joe Kansas fan can get mad about that, but reality is reality. When you're competing against Oklahoma and Texas for recruits in the Big 12, you're not going to get the guys that are going to take you to a national championship. It's just not going to happen. But let's not forget Mark Mangino took them to the Orange Bowl and beat Virginia Tech in a BCS bowl game. That was the pinnacle of football for Kansas. It's going to be a while before they get back to that level. And I don't know that Les Miles has enough gas in the tank. I mean, the guy's in his 70s, I think. I don't know if he has enough gas in his tank to really to do that. Uh, but he can lay a foundation for the next guy, if that makes sense. we got to take our last break. We're running behind. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Student Nation Podcast, the online podcast for Harlan Sports, harlan-sports.com. Okay, Rich, let's close this out with our last uh, eight to ten minutes here, talking more specifically about Oklahoma. Um, you know, the, the storyline going into um, to fall camp as it as it's opening up, meet the, meet the Sooners days on Friday. A lot of people are going to listen to this podcast either on Friday or shortly after that. Uh, and that officially opens fall camp for Oklahoma. Offensive side of the ball, the storyline is the offensive line. The defensive side of the ball, the storyline is what well, the defense, right? Um, we had an off-record conversation last week, and and I, I just want to jump into this because I I want to I want to cautiously I want to be cautiously optimistic about this defense. The the thing is is they can't get much worse than what they were. Okay, so any improvement is going to make them better than what we saw last year. But I'm of the opinion that we're going to have to see a little bit more turnover in the coaching staff before we really get to see this defense to the level that Oklahoma fans want them to be at. Now, um, before we, before I go any further with this, I want to see what, what you're thinking on this, <laughs> just on that initial comment. I, I, I'm of the opinion, sitting there on the same side of the fence as you are, that there does need to be some turnover, um, and it's not a knock against anybody who's currently coaching. It's more so a difference of mentality, a difference of approach to the game. And what Oklahoma really needs is, is more of a shakeup than anything. I think that's what Alex Grinch being brought in and having this downhill uh, approach to the defensive front, the, the, whole, the whole defense with this downhill mindset the turnovers, the playing with speed. We know that he's going to shake up the defense and that it's going to ruffle some feathers. I expect it not only to ruffle the feathers of the players, but also, yeah, with some of the coaching staff. 
And again, you have to get guys who are, are buying into that idea. You can't just bring a new guy in and expect these, some of these guys who are from a different generation than Alex Grinch's to immediately buy in because he's just this young kid with a grand plan, you know, to them. But, but they bought into Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, 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 you, you could say the same thing. Compare Josh Heupel to Lincoln Riley. Offense became stale under Josh Heupel. Offense became predictable under Josh Heupel. Lincoln Riley comes in, and just the next year, bam, everything's different. Everything you can is do the different. same thing. You can say the same. I mean, Mike, Mike Stoops. But, every, every, hold up. Everybody knows the Mike Stoops argument. Okay, everybody knows it, it had gotten, it had gotten tired. It had gotten old. But I, I think the danger here is. In assuming that we're going to see the same type of turnaround with the defense under uh, under Grinch that we saw with Lincoln Riley on the offensive side of the ball, and and I've got one reason why I don't think that's going to happen as quickly as it happened with Riley. But you wanted to say something. Yeah, all I was going to say with that is when you look at Lincoln Riley and some of what he did, it may not have been new personnel, but it was Kel Gundy's not coaching running backs anymore. You know, it's it's swapping them around. It's a shakeup within the offensive system. I think uh, Alex Grinch can do the same thing here. I don't think that's going to happen, though. No, because it happened. I mean, it hasn't. You, you, you right. can't, and, you and can't I'm not do even it saying right that, now. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking Oklahoma within the next year or two most likely would lose uh, one or two coaches from the defensive side of the ball. I think you have to lose coaches, and I think you have to lose some player personnel. I really, I've been saying this since day one. I think, there's, I think you're going to see – after this season, you're going to see some players who think they should be playing because of what the old regime had told them. Now they have to earn playing time, and if they don't earn playing time because someone else is hungry, you're going to see them. You're going to see some. You're going to see some changes in the personnel. But here's the thing: this is the question that has to be. And when you consider this defense, you have to answer these questions. You look at the other side of the ball, and you see development along the offensive line. You see development at the quarterback. You see development at the running back. You see development at the receiver position, right? I mean, think about this offensive line. They're, they're, you know, they, they won the Roy Manning. Roy Manning, he's the defensive coach. The Roy Moore Award for the, um, for the best offensive line in, in the nation. You've got back-to-back Heisman Trophy quarterbacks. You've got running backs that you're just cranking into the NFL left and right. Same thing with receivers. Who on the defensive side of the ball is developing players defensively the same way coaches are on the offensive right. side of the ball? And, and that's the biggest question that we're asking right now. Well, that's because, the question, right. Because that's, the answer is – No one. Matt, if, if we had to put an image up, the only thing that pops into my head is that question mark box from Super Mario. Because we don't know what who's going to pop out of that box and actually start developing mm-hmm. the players as you're speaking of. Will it happen? There are guys who can do that. It's just finding them and putting them in a position to where they can actually reach their full potential and kind of grooming them in order to reach players so that they can produce the type of talent or the type of uh, product on the field that we're accustomed to seeing. I mean, you can even go back to the late 2000s and see solid defense from the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, of course, and you think back even uh, 2009, you know, I, that was a national championship caliber defense. You know, you think about those guys, 2011 was a, a fairly decent defense. But here's the thing, um, you know, you've got Grinch who's going to, you know, do some things with the defensive backs. You've got Brian Odom who's going to do something with linebackers. 
I'm not sold on, on who uh, – again, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sold on the development of the offensive line. Can the energy that brings – Offensive line or defensive, defensive line? Sorry. Can the energy that, that Grinch brings and, and Odin brings and Roy Manning brings, can can that energy translate to a guy like Ruffin Manil, translate to a guy like Calvin Thibodeau? I love Calvin Thibodeau from what he does as a recruiter. I've not seen Calvin Thibodeau as a developer of talent. Same thing with, with Ruffin McNeil. I, I love the father figure that Ruffin McNeil is, that everybody everybody loves Ruffin McNeil. I mean, you you find somebody to say something bad about Ruffin McNeil, and you're you're gonna have to go way, 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 way back in time for that. Every even when he was at Texas Tech, when Mike Leach got fired, that team rallied around Ruffin McNeil. He is that guy. But I've yet to see Neville Gallimore. How, this is I mean again. Potentially, we're talking about Neville Gallimore potentially being the best defensive tackle in the Big 12. How many years has that has he potentially been the best defensive tackle in the Big 12? When is he going to develop into that player? You know, Kith Murray, potentially the best linebacker in the Big 12. When is he who's going to develop these guys? Well, it's on Brian Odom to work on Kith Murray in this last year. And I'm loving what I'm hearing from Murray. I'm I'm loving that, that I'm hearing this guy saying. I need you to push me. I need you to do something different with me than what's done in the past. I mean, he's saying these things. He's open about it. He talked to Odin. He says, I want, I want to be, I want to win the Buckets Award. I want to be the best linebacker in the nation. You can get me where I haven't been before. He acknowledges that, and it sounds like he's willing to work at it. But that's new blood. That's a new coach, right? I think this defensive line is where you got to start looking at this is where the defense changes. And, and I'm telling you, man, if, if it doesn't get done, if we don't see massive improvement from these defensive tackles, from these defensive ends, I, I can't see how there can't – you can't see a change in the coaching staff at the end of the season. Right, I would agree uh, wholeheartedly, not only because of – obviously you lose stoops. You have a replacement step in and then a hire at the end of the year – I don't know that something very similar would play out, but I'm not putting it past the current coaching staff that we have, specifically Lincoln Riley. Why? Because he's shown that he's willing to do that mm -hmm. if he thinks it's the right call at the right time. So we'll see. Do players need to be developed, Matt? Absolutely. And that's across the board. Yeah, all, level, the all three levels, side. yes. Mm -hmm. But you've got new guys on the secondary, new guys on, right. the, on and, the linebackers. And here's what I'll say is I like that, okay, so the NCAA has opened up a couple more coaching spots. So you have the ability to have someone who's really just hands-on with recruiting rather than being an on-the-field coach. Right. Can we see some people transition into that and others out? Yeah, I don't think you can transition from being an on-field coach from an on-field coach to just a recruiter. I, I think that's you look at that as a demotion. So you you know you, you, you take <laughs> you're right you take you're the next right. train out. Hey, um, that's gonna wrap it up for us on on the Sooner Nation podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week, another week closer uh, to the start of football season. Uh, weekend is approaching. We're into the month of August. Football will happen by the end of this month. Have a great weekend and a fantastic start to your week next week. Boomer Sooner, everybody.